0: the scripture we encounter a hostility between the kingdoms of men and the people of God, and when in existence, the kingdom of God. The hostility is seen in the beginning of Genesis in chapter 3 and verse 15, when God tells the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This hostility, or enmity, can be traced all the way through Scripture, right down to the end days. Welcome to the Bible in the News. This is John Billington with you on BibleInTheNews.com. In the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2, we have the great image symbolizing the various kingdoms of men that in their final stand against God are described with the following words in verse 31. Thou O king sawst and behold a great image this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible Often when we look at the image and we look at this prophecy we like to look at it as if it is a timeline of events first the kingdom of babylon then the medes and the persians and so on But actually when it comes to the end it stands complete and in verse 35 is said to be broken in pieces together. This image will be a great um, empire, kingdom, that stands against Christ and the saints and has come against God's people Israel uh, at the time of Armageddon. And all the prophecies, sort of many, come together at this point. But this image, when we look at it in just chapter 2 alone, what we're looking at is a kingdom that takes in everything that went before it, the, the terribleness of the kingdoms that went before it. All those characteristics will be found in that final um, group of nations uh, and that come together as, as one in the image. When we look in Ezekiel 38, we're given a list of the nations that come together, but they act as one, led by Gog. Uh, From Ezekiel 38, but in Daniel chapter 2, it is seen as a great image of human strength that will come against God uh, and his people. And it says the form thereof was terrible. And the power of this world that is being gathered together to stand against God's nation when when, uh, fully assembled will be nothing short of terrible. And this image is described as having two legs, symbolizing a divided empire. This was during the time of the Romans, when they split between the East and the West, Rome and Constantinople. When we turn over to chapter 8, when we turn to chapter 8, chapter 8 is focusing on the East. It is focusing on that Eastern leg, we could say, and events in the East first of course it goes through the events of between the uh, the battle between the greeks and the medes and persians seen as the ram and the he goat and um, it tells us that in verse 20 the ram which thou sawest having the uh, the horns are the kings of media and persia and the rough goat or the he goat is the king of greece and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king so we The prophecy focuses on that first, but then progresses. And in verse 23, we see in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully. And shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But he shall be broken without hand, and the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told, is true. Wherefore shut thou up, the vision, for it shall be for many days. So it's very interesting. The prophecy, again, and in in many of Daniel's prophecies, they cover a great scope. A great stroke of history is covered in just uh, one of these visions. In chapter 2, it goes all the way from the time of Nebuchadnezzar himself to the time when the image is destroyed at the coming of Christ. Here it goes from the time of the Greeks all the way forward to the time of the coming of Christ and the destruction of that will take place then. But when we look at this, we start to get a picture of what this final empire will look like, the character of this final empire, this one that will destroy the mighty and holy people, that will magnify itself, that will stand against the Lord Jesus Christ and will be like a great image and terrible. So this is the picture that we start to see coming together. Now when we come to Ezekiel 38. Now remember if this is a, if this is a picture of the kingdoms of men that are going to stand against Christ, against his people, there is no surprise that there is this enmity or this hatred that is between them. When we come to Ezekiel 38, it tells us, son of man, set thy face against Gog of the land of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, is the RV translation, and prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth. So when we look at this, we're not going to go through all the nations here, but of course we've looked at these many times on. Uh, Bible in the News, on bibleinthenews.com, but it's also uh, on the Bible, it's been dealt with many times in the Bible magazine, biblemagazine.com, and in the back issues there, you can find um, many titles and articles on Russia and going through some of these events, Um, which by the way, if you subscribe, there is another um, issue going to be coming out shortly on the Bible magazine. So when we look at this chapter 38, we have this congregation of uh, this confederacy of nations led by the Prince of Rosh. Rosh is something that many have wondered at, uh, although many have pointed to the Russians. For myself, some of the best proof for that is the Septuagint version, translates that into a word that is still used today of the Russians. So uh, the Septuagint is much older, translated into Greek, um, and gives us, a, uh, as I say, a word that is still in use. So in English, rosh doesn't mean much to us, but in Greek, the word is uh, is still in use, and therefore, for me, that's some of the best um, best proof. When we look in English, when we look and see something like Ethiopia, Libya, Persia, we go, oh yeah, yeah, that we understand what that is. Although originally they would have been enlarged areas, we still, we understand what it is. Well, in the Greek, it's the same for Rosh. And, it's, and it has to do with the Russians. And this Gog then is the chief prince of, of the Russians. And the character that comes out, again, in this chapter is coming against, it's in the latter years, verse 8, against the mountains of Israel. Verse 15, and thou shalt come from thy place out of the uttermost parts of the north, is the RV, the uttermost parts of the north, again, pointing north towards the Russians, this congregation that would come from the uttermost parts of the north. And many people with thee, all of them riding on horses, a great company and and, and a mighty army, And thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land. So God actually sees the character of this people. He sees what's in their hearts, and it's time for judgment. And he actually brings them against Israel in a way. He encourages this. He puts hooks in their jaws and brings them down because it's time that he will judge them. And in chapter 39... And verse four, it says, "And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel." And from chapter thirty-eight and verse twenty-three, through this process, God will be magnified, and He will. He says He will magnify Himself and sanctify Himself, and He says, "And I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord." So it's an incredible, it's an incredible picture that starts to develop. Uh, there's other ones that we could add to it where it gives you the ferociousness of these of this uh, of this gathering of people um, and it's also seen uh, as uh, called the latter day Assyrian also. so there's there's many parts that we could pick out of this, but there's one thing I wanted to to just pick out and that is when God says it's going to be terrible, when we look at the nations that went before, you know if we go to chapter actually if you look in Daniel chapter seven, the final the, the last beast that will again last through the time of Christ and and links in with this as well it is it's again it's it's a beast that that well let's just uh, let's if i if i just quote it off off uh, off my head it won't be as good as if i just look at the verse uh, chapter 7 daniel chapter 7 it comes against the saints of the most high but when you look at the actual words of what Uh, of of the beast itself i saw in the night visions and behold a fourth uh, a fourth beast seven verse seven dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and it had great iron teeth this character that we we find and it speaks against uh, it speaks great things and comes against the ancient of days when it is finally overthrown but it is it is the spirit that is in this. It is the spirit this, this and when we see it in chapter two it's it's like the character of all those nations brought together. It will have it will have the ferociousness of the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the unnamed beast that we find in, in uh, seven and verse seven that is that is strong exceedingly. Well, why, why, why are we bringing this out now? This is Bible in the news. So it's not just necessarily look, looking at random prophecies. Why do we bring this out now? Well, um, if I come back to my notes, that's probably helpful. This is the characteristic that we would expect to develop then, a ferociousness, a terribleness. In fact, I would say when it finally arises... It will be the worst man has ever seen. And yet here we are in 2020, we think, well, no, I mean, the the barbarity of the ages past is, is something of the past. Well, I would say this is what we will expect to see from these prophecies and others. And when we look at the news this week, it's nothing shocking, surprising, but again, I quote from the Telegraph, Mr. Nalvany, Putin's most vocal critic, that's what, he, that's what they call Mr. Nalvany, Alexei Nalvany, Putin's most vocal critic was flying back to Moscow from the Siberian city of Tomsk when he began crying out in pain and the plane was forced to make an emergency landing. We assume that Alexei was poisoned with something mixed into his tea, a spokesper- spokeswoman, Kira Yarmysk, said. It was the only thing he drank in the morning. Doctors say the toxin was absorbed absorbed faster through the hot liquid. Alexei is now unconscious. So this man climbed, got on a plane in Serbia after enjoying a hot tea. Not long into the flight, He heads to the washroom and is in terrible pain and can be heard crying out in pain. And there's videos of it, it's not pleasant. But this man is, it seems, been poisoned. Of course, the plane emergency lands and he's put into the hands of the Russian doctors and they won't be, they're not, they don't want to be certain. But this isn't the first time he's been poisoned, he was poisoned last year. Uh, while he was in a Russian jail, and his doctors said it could have been, it was likely caused by a toxic agent, although the official explanation the telegraph says was dermatitis. Well, in 2017, he also suffered a chemical burn in one eye after an assailant threw green dye in his face outside of his Moscow office. So when you stand up against Putin, this is the type of thuggery and poisoning and hideousness that one can expect and this as i say it's nothing shocking not because the events aren't shocking themselves but it's not surprising or shocking that putin would now do this there's been a history of it it was not long ago was in the last year or two where you had the scripples in england if you if we go back further it was um in 2006 alexander litvenko he was uh, he was also uh poisoned with a radioactive substance, they say, and that was a slow and painful death. And there's been a list of others that we could go through. And you know, I ask, what kind of nation would do this? What kind of nation would act like this? We think we're in the twenty. We're, we think we're in twenty twenty. This is supposed to be, you know, uh, the era of, of great enlightenment and the terrible the terrible years of the past would not be repeated there's n- nothing to to show that in the character that we find developing in russia still acting somewhat as a democracy but earlier in july putin uh, consolidated his power and is now he, he is now in we could say until he dies or currently the, he's now in till 2036 so he's ensured that he is in power now until 2036 democracy is frankly gone and now when you look at the way they treat and the way they act against those that oppose them it's hardly it's hardly surprising when we look at the prophecies you can see it already this spirit coming out in the nation and why why would and and you know in the news they ask the same question why would we go why would he use such such you know dramatic and and 18th century ways to kill folk it's easier to shoot someone it's much cleaner it's quicker it's easier to hide it's easier to get away it's easier to cover up there's it's it's a cleaner it's a cleaner process but poison brings fear what kind of nation we ask would do this well the same nation that this last week sent nine of its warships to into uh, close to the uk waters to test uh, and to prod as they always as they have been it's now it's so often we don't even think about it it's just in the news we don't think about it this is the same nation that is pushing against britain and testing and against the us and against canada they do it to they do it to canada in the north they do it to america in the north but the west is tired and this is you know when you look at the, you look at the nations the west is tired they don't want more war trump's whole plan coming his whole platform coming in was america first and as much as everyone said he was going to be a warmonger he was going to be he was going to start war how could you trust somebody like you know trump with his hand on the nuclear uh, button trump has not started war trump doesn't want war now as jonathan commented Twelve thousand troops from Germany coming home. The world's now the world's is 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 starting to go ballistic. At the at the U.S. pulling out. The U.S. doesn't want to be in Europe, which fits perfectly into prophecy. Perfectly into what we've expected. The longest time it was an east-west divide, and now it's becoming a north-south divide, which is what we've always looked for. Now it's the U.S. is supporting Saudi Arabia is supporting Israel's even stronger and the nations in the south. Now we've had the peace agreements with the UAE. That's where the U.S. belongs, is in the south, along with Britain. Britain's got to figure that out yet a little more, but even Britain is in the south. I opened a new uh, new naval base, was it a year or two ago, two years ago? So we look at this nation and this the, the power developing, And it's what's expected, but it is not going to get any better. It is not going to get any prettier. The character of Russia is not going to get any friendlier. In fact, back in 1869, I believe it was, uh, Exposition of Daniel was written, first came out inside of uh, part of the book Eureka, And it's a prophecy uh, of, uh, or it's a book uh, on the prophecy of Daniel. And John Thomas writes in my edition, uh, page 89, he writes, uh, speaking of um, what we've, the prophecies we've looked at, Daniel 2 and Ezekiel 38, and putting these together, he writes, by turning to a map of Europe and Asia, the reader may trace out the territory of the kingdom of Babylon as it is destined to exist in its last form under the king of the north in his Gogian manifestation. And when he says in his Gogian manifestation, that's linking it to Ezekiel 38, that final grouping of nations that we we looked at. The names of the countries furnished by Ezekiel will lead him to a just conception of its general extent. Beside all the Russians, he writes, it will take in Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Holland, Belgium, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Prussia, Austria, Turkey, Persia, Tartary, Greece, the Roman Africa, and Egypt. This will be a dominion of great magnitude, extending from the North Sea to the wall of China and Afghanistan, and from the Ice Sea to the deserts of Africa and Arabia. Incredible. That will be the territory of this final uh, empire, as it consolidates those countries together, into one empire will it will be a great magnitude, he says, extending from the North Sea to the wall of China, Afghanistan, from the Ice Sea to the deserts of Africa and Arabia. And those are those nations and those nations he, he puts together there are just an update of the nations as we find them in Ezekiel thirty eight. When you put these prophecies together, we get an actually a, a chilling and but a detailed look at what this empire will come to he writes the organization which this vast empire will assume when fully developed is represented in the second chapter of daniel by a colossus in human form which as an apparition flitted before the mind of nebuchadnezzar in a dream daniel says that the scene of which uh, it was the subject was representative of what should be in the latter days This being admitted, it follows that what is recorded in the chapter is yet in the future. The scene exhibits a colossus standing on its feet in unrivaled brightness of glory and terrible to behold. Standing thus for a time not indicated, another object appears, even a stone representative of a power not in mortal hands. This stone power smites the colossus on the feet, and it falls, after which the stone proceeds to to reduce the broken fragments to dust, which, by the violence of the process, is carried away so completely that not a vestige of this colossus remains. Well, that that is an incredible quote, I think. Written in the 1800s, what did I say, 1869 about, I believe it is. And he sees what this empire is going to become. And here we see Russia resurgent again. It is now coming forth. The West is tired and Russia is not. I was reading and and, and somebody commented that Putin never stopped fighting the Cold War. And now he has extended his power till 2036. And so we stand at an incredible time in history. Israel is rising up. And Russia is rising again. And these two will be in conflict. Until the Lord returns. And that stone power. That kingdom he establishes. Will destroy the that empire that has come against. And will come against Israel in the latter days. While those latter days are fast approaching. And we can be thankful we can see these things. And put these things together. But to follow this. Uh, more completely you can subscribe to the bible magazine.com uh, on you can subscribe to the bible magazine on biblemagazine.com, and you can follow each week we give an update on on the progression of events in relation to the bible as we see them in the news on bibleinthenews.com. so we'll leave it there thanks for joining us this was john billington with you again take care and come back next week